Welcome back to Herald Review Outside the Box Podcast. I'm sports reporter Joey Wagner with sports editor Justin Kahn and Monticello football coach Coley Welter. Coley, I want to talk with you. Last, I believe in December, correct, you were inducted to the Illinois High School Football Coaches Association Hall of Fame. Was that a surprise to you? How did that come about? Um, I, somebody has to nominate you, and then you, uh, and then there's a panel of some sort, and I think they vote on whomever they choose uh, to put in there. So um, it's usually based upon the uh, number of years you've been coaching. Uh, that's the stipulation number one. So, um, And then, yeah, then I don't know after that. But uh, I was certainly grateful to, to get that on. Has it really set in with you yet that, that you're in this Hall of Fame, or is that something that you think you'll maybe reflect on down the road? Yeah, I don't, you know, it's, I'm certainly appreciative of it, um, and, and uh, the the ceremony was top-notch, and uh, the Coach Association does a great job uh, with all that stuff. Uh, that being said, you know, I, I kind of, I, I recognize that uh, you know, I've been very fortunate, very blessed to have uh, so many good players and coaches under under me that, uh, that I don't really look at it as a uh, something I've really accomplished, certainly by myself. Um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity I've had to be able to coach for so many years. Coach, this year's team has started off, you know, uh, 6-0, and looks great. Uh, you know, is this kind of – I know you had good, you know, pretty high expectations going into the season, but is this – have they exceeded it, or is this kind of what you had expected going in? Yeah, I, I don't know that you ever yeah, – you, you know, you, you, you're – to use coach speak, you know, you're always cautiously optimistic when you have a lot of returning starters and experience and you've got good team speed. Those are good places to start. Uh, but we knew we had some depth issues. We knew we have some size issues. We knew we had some uh, experience issues in the line. So uh, um, we weren't sure and uh, certainly we're happy with the way things have started. But we know uh, our schedule is backloaded and we know we're going to get tested pretty severely here in the next couple weeks. You know, Coley, when you got to Monticello, the team was coming off of an 0-9 season. And, you know, since your first season in 2009, you've taken this program to the playoffs every single year. How did you build this to, to keep churning out playoff seasons every single year and keep a consistent winner? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, again, very blessed to be in a, in a community where uh, the kids are interested in playing, first of all, um, where the community and the school supports their athletic programs, um, to be able to have a, a number of assistant coaches that, that have been dedicated and, and uh, part of the staff. And then, you know, ultimately the kids, it was just a matter of, you know, what the kids were, um, what, where their desire lied. And I think the biggest thing that first year um, was just getting the kids to believe that, uh, you know that when things go bad it's not the end of the world that they can overcome a little bit of adversity and just get a little confidence because as everyone knows once you get a little success that breeds a little bit more success and once you get that ball rolling then then uh, there's a lot of things that are possible Coley, I know uh, you're from Muhammad how did how did you kind of uh, develop into wanting to be a football coach um, well, I was I was a sports fanatic growing up. I was that kid that uh, back when the Sporting News was a newspaper, I was getting it when I was six years old every week and scouring through the stats and and uh, just love sports in general. And uh, I didn't really know uh, what I would coach. Being a track athlete at the University of Illinois, I, I knew track was probably in my future as far as the coaching was concerned. But I played basketball, I played baseball, I played football, and uh, really my first opportunity at Ridgeview was to coach football. Um, and I'm glad it worked out that way. I love the sport, and it, it, it partners up really well with track. 
um, and, which I continue to do to this day as well. So that's how I got into it. I've coached a little bit of freshman girls basketball a year and some summer baseball, but it's pretty much been football and, and track for me my whole career. So, so uh, was was Alito your first head coaching spot or no? No, I, I was at Ridgeview for four years. Okay, or actually, I was there for five years. I was head coach for four years. Okay, and now have you co- you coached track at, at, at the other stops as well in in uh, in Alito and and um, yeah. in Colfax? In mm-hmm. Yes, I have. Yep. Okay. So, you know, I guess as far as uh, the football goes, though, I guess, you know, that's kind of where, you know, there's a little bit more of uh, people, I guess, pay a little more attention to football, I guess, in your time. But but you consider track, it's funny that track was kind of your sport, uh, though, in, in college and everything. Yes, you know, and that's the thing. I, in uh, you know, high school, I did football, basketball, track, but I still played baseball in the summer because growing up, that was probably my favorite sport. But uh, I knew my probably my primary town slide in track, so um, that's what I ran in high school. But uh, yeah, I uh, um, I love it. I love the I love the sport. I love the the combination of football and track. And like you said, more more people certainly gravitate to football uh, as far as fandom is concerned than track. But uh, for me, yeah, they're both passions. At Alito, how did it kind of? How did that kind of progress? When I mean, it was it was a pretty decent program when you got there, correct? I mean, it wasn't in bad shape at all. No, it was a very good program. Yeah, um, that it was in good shape. It, it's a blue collar community. Um, the, the kids were really um, into football still to this day, or into football there. And uh, so, yeah, it was just um, uh, there was a lot of things in place for me when I got there and uh, we were just fortunate to be able to um, to have to continue that success that was already there you know I, I, one of my questions I was going to ask you is how you got involved in coaching track and I, you know, I think you answered it you, <laughs> you, you ran at, at the University of Illinois what did you run and what was that experience like for you um, yeah, I, I, I ran, uh, I was a sprinter. I ran uh, primarily, um, I ran the two relays, the 4x1, four 4x4, four four, and then the open events I ran were generally the two and the four. Um, my last, my junior, senior year, I ran pretty much those four events exclusively. Um, so, yeah, it was a great experience. I have friends to this day. Uh, my, my coach, Coach Willie Williams, who broke Jesse Owens' record, he was the first person in the history of uh uh, the you know the world to uh, break Jesse Owens' record just got inducted into the University of Illinois Hall of Fame, and then Coach Winicky, uh, who's a legendary uh, coach in his own right, uh, was the head coach at the time, and uh, have great respect for both of those and and a lot of the teammates that uh, that I got to uh, uh, compete with during that time. So you know, the, is it kind of crazy that? You know, now as an adult, you, you've sent your daughter off to to participate in track at Louisville. Like, did you know from a young age that that she was going to be a, a pole vault? You know, have the success she has, or you know, how did you kind of realize that she had this talent? Well, to be honest with you, I, I knew she was. Yeah, I have four kids. I knew she was athletic and she was aggressive. Uh, she was that kid that played flag football with the boys. She played basketball with the boys. You know, she was. You know how girls develop a little bit earlier. So she was. I think she scared the boys a little bit with her aggressiveness, <laughs> even though she was smaller than most of them. But she got into gymnastics at the age of three, and that was her passion. Still remains her passion today. And and so I mean, from the from the time she started competing as an athlete, she's put in anywhere from. 12 to 20 hours a week uh, probably since she was in fourth or fifth grade and uh, in gymnastics and so I knew she was fast um, and uh, and I thought well you combine her gymnastics with her speed and pole vault sort of a natural uh, natural event so that's how we kind of got involved with with that with her 
you know, was it somebody who went to Illinois? How did you step back and let her come to her own decision on where to go to? Is there that natural tendency to, to hope she ended up in Champaign too? You know, I, that's uh, I, I love Coach Turk and uh, and uh, the, the coaches were very good. Um, Coach Cohen uh, was was very good at recruiting her and. Uh, but to be honest with you, there's a part of me that was wanting to see her kind of forge her own path and kind of get away from home. I miss her dearly. She's homesick right now, but uh, she's uh, just gonna, you know, it's good for her, I think, to, to get a little bit away and, and, you know, be her own person. So, you know, um, Illinois was a, it was a very strong consideration for her. And, uh, but in the end, uh, we, we thought Louisville fit her a little bit better. Coach, you were so successful at, at Alito, obviously. Uh, you know what kind of what what drew to Monticello? What 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 brought you? I know you know like you, this is closer to I'm assuming to some family, but what what was it exactly that brought you to Monticello? Well, a couple of things. It definitely the the family aspect was was big. My wife is from the Quad Cities. We went to Alito to get close to her family. We spent eleven years there, and you know uh, we thought, well, if we're going to move, take another job. Uh, my oldest son Tyus was in sixth grade at the time. We felt like. You know, we, we probably should do it soon. Um, Monticello was always a community I admired. I was a rival of Muhammad when I was growing up, so didn't necessarily like them, but I, I admired it. And, you know, for me personally, um, I still speak with a lot of my former players in Alito, a lot of friends from Alito, but um, it was a challenge, another challenge. You know, I think uh, I, I didn't know if I'd get stagnant being in the same place forever, so I thought here's here's a place would be a nice place to raise a family um, and see what we could do. Um, and uh, and ultimately, uh, we made the decision to come down here. Was there the concern? I mean, y- you see a lot of coaches who go from one place to then go to another place, and it's just it's tough to sort of you know match what you did to the other place or, or or you know build it what you had. Was that a concern for you at all? I mean, like like did you were you nervous about that? Yeah, I think you always are. I think you. I think any coach. Um, you know, you're you're always reflective of of your own capabilities, and and certainly as I've said before, you know, my success is directly correlated to all the great players and coaches I've I've had at all the places. But uh, you do you you wonder, okay, uh, what if something doesn't work out? But it, you just you got to have. And it's easy to say, hard to do. I certainly don't live in on a daily basis, but I like to think, you know, you got to have a sort of an inner peace, kind of a trust, trust the plan in your life. And if it doesn't work out, there's a reason for it. And there's somewhere else you need to go or, you know, you know, there's always a reason for everything. So, you know, if you're successful, great. If you're not, then you move on and you try somewhere else. And so from that standpoint, you know, failure is not the worst thing in the world, right? Sometimes you have to experience it. And um, I was willing to take that risk. Well, there, I mean, in you guys have never missed the playoffs since you've been there, but there were some times, you know, when those early years where it was, you know, five and four, you know, and, 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 and you know, fighting tooth and nail to get in every year. I, I guess during those times, I mean, did you ever feel frustrated or did you feel like, okay, it's, it's, this is part of the process? You know, I, I, I think the only thing that, you know, going to, going eight and three, I think it was eight and three that first year, yeah. um, almost, you know, it almost set the expectations in my mind, not necessarily my else, but almost set the expectations a little too high. And, you know, we had a really good group of kids that, that year, and it was almost like a little bit of a facade. You know, we still hadn't, from a foundational standpoint, I don't think everything was really where it needed to be, but we kind of... We kind of fooled everybody, so to speak. You know, we were successful, but there were still some things that needed to be done. I think to to make the um, 
the success long term. And so, yeah, I think after that first year, I think we stepped back a little bit and had to kind of build back up. And and um, and again, you know, you never know year to year. I mean, you're still at the mercy of, of what players come out and and you know what kind of talent you have. You know, I don't care how good or bad a coach you are, you're still at the mercy of of those Jimmys and Joes to a great degree. You know, I think a lot of people think with the team that has had sustained success like we you know we've got several teams around here who have done that you guys being one of them that they think exactly that that there's just talent everywhere that runs you know through Monticello and onto the football field but you mentioned the foundation what goes into building the foundation of a program for this kind of success yeah for me a lot of it and I, I we're still I'm 10 years in and I, and I'm digressing here, but I remember talking with uh, Coach Jeff Butler, who's a cross-country and track coach here for a long time, and I was his assistant for the first three years before before um, he retired and I took over the track program. But uh, you know, he talked about how long it took him to sort of set the foundation for the cross-country team, and I feel like we're still in that process, but a lot of it is just the ownership of the kids, how, how much they want to be successful, how much they want to see the program be successful. I mean, we can want it for them, but until they decide, hey, if the coaches aren't here, we're still going to work hard. If the coaches don't open the weight room, we're going to still find a way to work in the offseason. You know, when we can get that mindset, um, then, you know, it kind of runs itself because then the older kids – you know, pass on the uh, the traditions to the younger kids, and and at that point, uh, you're in a pretty good place as far as the program is concerned. You know, earlier you mentioned you're, you've been lucky to have assistant coaches. One of those presently is Britt Miller, still correct, as your defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yes. What has he brought? I mean, he a lot of people know him obviously from the success here in Decatur, and then you know at the University of Illinois. What has he brought? You know, he's a pretty intense guy. He he knows his stuff. What's he brought to your program? You know, the, in his time with you. Well, he certainly is knowledgeable. There's no question about that. And uh, I think especially the second year, I think now that he's gotten to know the kids a little bit better, what he's done really well this year, I think, is he's really kind of matched what he wants to do to the the talents of our defense. You know, that's one of the things I think – we have to do the most as football coaches is figure out what we have year to year because as we all know we don't recruit our kids we don't draft our kids so the talent may lie in the line and my line and it may lie in the skill guys you never know from year to year so we're a smaller faster team and i really think what he's doing with our defense uh, philosophically uh, really matches our talents you know, earlier you, you mentioned that Muhammad and Monticello were, were rivals when you were there, and, and it was tough. But now with, with the Illini Prairie Conference, regional rivals for, for you guys are a little more challenging to come by. There's still some, but it, it's a conference that spreads you know, pretty far and wide. What are some of the adjustments that you guys have to make in a conference that has so much mileage between some schools? Yeah, we just got done uh, telling the kids the bus leaves at 3.30. I mean, we barely get out of school, and we're jumping on the bus to go to Pontiac. So, yeah, there's uh, – I know we went to IBC last year, and I thought we got off the bus, and we were pretty flat. So, you know, some cases we may have to stop and stretch our legs. It's that far a trip before uh, before we get there. But, you know, it's, it's still – yeah, you know, it doesn't take very long to get to know your your new conference foes and to get to know a lot about them and and to form relationships, good and bad, with with your opponents. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, there, it, you know, we uh, we like the conference. It's a little bigger in size than what we were used to. But um, like you said, there's the the regional rivalries, maybe the St. Joe's and the St. Thomas More's and the Unities. Of course, uh, that becomes a little bit m- even more paramount because 
there's not as many local teams in the conference. So, you know, we focus maybe a little bit more on, on them than we used to. If, if you can say that, probably people would argue that's not really the case, but, uh, but I think it might be. Cully, what, what, how would you feel about? I know the, there's, this has been thrown out a few times over the years. The, the plan of, of kind of breaking up the conferences and going with, with districts. You know, what, what's your feel on that? Yeah, well, I, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of in the middle on all that. Um, I certainly understand the rationale um, that the, to prevent, to be preemptive and, preemptive and get rid of all the conference jumping. I mean, I, I, I guess depending on. If you're looking at what's best for your your school versus what's best for the state, I think it's not always the same thing. So, you know, right now we have a closed conference, so I'm pretty happy with where we are. But, you know, two or three years ago, that wasn't the case, and we're scrambling to go all over the state. So I see merit in it. Um, I'm not necessarily ready to jump on board full-fledged. I, I don't mind traveling myself. I kind of enjoy it. So it's Friday night. It's Saturday afternoon. It's it's not a weeknight. So to me, it doesn't bother me. Um but as long as we have nine games on the schedule, I'm pretty happy. Uh, Coley, earlier this year you became the winningest coach in school history. Was that something you kind of – was that a number you had in mind as the season started? Or wh- when did this reality kind of present itself that, that this could happen, you know, this year? I, I honestly I'm not, I did not – I did not know. I did, wasn't aware of that. So, I, um, so yeah, I, until like the day before we were playing – I might have been week three is when I kind of found that out. So, um, yeah, so it was a surprise to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> well. When you're not coaching, you know, what do you what do you do in your free time? What, what, what you know, with kids, I know free time's kind of few and far between. But you know, what, what do you do in, in time that you're not with football or track? Um, I lost you there a little bit, but uh, I. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time, time with my kids when I can. I'm a, I'm a family guy. My wife and I, we're, we're homebodies for the most part. But uh, I love to read. I don't get to do as much as I can, but I love to read. I like to exercise. Um, I'm a sports fanatic. Um, You're a pretty good uh, basketball player, right, Cole? You, you, you hoop still, right? I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> I try. That's for sure. I, I um so yeah, I'll get out there with my kids and, and sometimes with the players and stuff. Although I'm getting on the wrong wrong end of the age spectrum <laughs> for that, but uh, I do like I love cards. I love to play cards. My family loves to play cards, so we do do a lot of a lot of that as well. You know, I remember talking to you last year at the track sectionals, and see, I could almost maybe feel a little pride. You know, you guys are one of the smaller schools in, in track that is in that you know class two A, and you could almost feel the pride that you guys with. You know, smaller numbers compared to these other schools continue to have this sustained success in that program. Is that something you guys really do take pride in is, you know, being smaller and still going toe-to-toe with some of these bigger schools? Yeah, I think once we recognize, hey, we're 2A to stay, we embraced it rather than complain about it. I mean, I think we always will look back and say, man, if we were in 1A, what what if, you know, and a lot of people do that. But but that gets offset by what you just said. We, we take a great amount of pride in being sort of the small school that's able to, to compete at that level. And we hope to – and we think the fact that we did bump to 2A has actually improved our, our track program, particularly on the girls' side, and we're trying to get back to the boys' side. The boys has been a little bit down in comparative to the girls, but we think that uh, going against that kind of competition only brings out the best in yourself so like you said we embrace it and take a lot of pride in it you know Coley in the in the playoffs these last several years it's, it's there's it seems like you guys are sort of on that line between like the, the northern bracket and the southern <laughs> bracket in the playoffs every year is that something that you know you guys I'm sure you're aware of it but you know, how, how do you guys kind of look at that every year as you go into the the playoffs and, and you know sort of that being sort of being on the edge of that 
Yeah, we do. We do. We look at it pretty directly. Uh, we knew last year there was pretty much no chance we were we were going uh, south. We knew we we're probably going north, and and this year we think there's a pretty good chance we'll go south. And and you're exactly right. It's year to year it varies. Um, you know, it, ultimately you play who you have to play, um, and uh, you know some of the. Uh, more dominant teams in recent years have been from the north, particularly recently. I see. Um, so, uh, but you know, as we all know, you you've got to play them at some point, and there's there's more than one good team every year. There's always at least ten to twelve teams that that uh, are going to give you everything they got. So, uh, whether you go north or south, you know you're gonna you're gonna be in some ball games. You mentioned that you you know you, you kind of have a feel of if you're going north or south. When does that? Thought pro- what do you guys start thinking about that to do the appropriate scouting you need to do? You know, is it something that happens around this time, or when do you start to kind of map out where you might be? Yeah, I think my assistants do a lot more than I do. I mean, they're on top of that pretty well. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm 20 plus years into this that I don't pay. When I was younger, I was on that every week. You know, now I just kind of whatever happens, happens. We'll kind of deal with it. And I think also the the advanced scouting you may need to do now. Yeah, you, just, we, you get so many tapes. You get so much. Inf- there's so much information available to you about other teams that you have. You know, uh, you have a pretty decent idea about a lot of the teams you potentially could play even right now, just from hearsay and and from reading the newspaper and and, and all the things that you guys do. So uh, yeah, so I, I you know I. I take a cursory glance towards it, but I kind of depend on my coaches to let me know, you know, what the possibilities are. You know, you mentioned, yeah, you've been doing this for 25 years, you know, at least. What's been the biggest change that you've seen from when you started this day one to where you're at now, either, you know, in the game of football as a whole or just kind of in coaching high school athletes? Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of them. I, mean, I think, but, you know, a couple of the biggest ones, I definitely think the style of the game has changed drastically I, I it wasn't that long ago where every week we we're lining up against a double tight type team you know i you know uh, even when we when i came down here 10 years ago there was still a number of teams that were running some uh some semblance of that type of offense and now uh you know we're seeing a, a, a pro set i running team this week and you hardly ever see that anymore so there's definitely a change there defenses i think are a little bit more aggressive a little bit more uh creative with their their blitz schemes and then i think from just a Another aspect, I, I think you really do have to adapt to, to try to make the whole experience. Uh, you know, I, I think you always should have made it more than football. I think we always say that as coaches. I don't know that we always, uh, you know, follow what we say, but I think you do. You, you need to make. You really have to go to great lengths to make sure the kids know. Um, hey, uh, you know, we're not just going to go out there and. and beat our heads in every day of practice we're gonna we're gonna have some fun in the process as well and i almost hesitate to say that you know because um you know you you hope to think that just being successful is motivation enough but a lot of times it's not you know so you got to be a little bit more creative with your practice plans and what you do in the off season to try to 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 make sure the kids want to be here use the style of the game you know so much more of a spread offense now is that something that fits your beliefs in an offense or are you more of that you know i know you guys do run a spread but is that because of adapting or is that what you want to do yeah you know i would say i'm i like to do um i like to be as balanced as possible that's about the only philosophy that i hang my head on as an offensive coach is i want to be able to do both and i don't care if it's in the spread or if it's in a pro set um I don't want to just depend on 
run or pass. Now that being said, five or six years ago, I think even in uh, I think it was just I think it was one of the articles you wrote talked about how we were uh, a run heavy team and we were at that time when we had Ryan Donnie here yeah. and we had oh, a bigger yeah. line. We were pro set and you know there wasn't really much uh, evidence that we were a spread team at that time. But then we started getting some quarterbacks like Brandon Wildman, Caleb Hansen, and Braden some receivers to go with them, and so we just kind of adapted. So I, I like to start with the pro set, you know, but you don't see a lot out of us lately because our skill set I think it matches the spread better right now but it, you know a couple of years it might be back to, to more pro set depending on what we have yeah coley this has been fun i know you just got out of practice i really appreciate the time and i know you got a, a long three weeks here good luck in these next these closing weeks uh thanks i had a great time i appreciate you guys having me on hey, thanks, thanks coach bye all right we'll see you guys